The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I love this psalm. It is rich, particularly when it's set to music. And having it voiced this way is even more resonant for me. I particularly love how Bobby McFerrin honors the divine feminine with his lyrics. And he invites a blending of many voices into one. It is slow. It is delivered as a chant with unified breath. It is a meditation. It is a contemplation. And it is often my contemplation when I am being prayerful. Good morning. I'm Darlene Batchelder. Many of you know me. I know many of you, I think, all of you perhaps. You may have seen me in the choir. I've spoken up here a couple of times before. I've also been on session with several of you. I've been a deacon with many of you. Uh, you may have seen me on stage over at Portola Valley Theater Company, which is a lot of fun. I am also one of several spiritual directors here at Valley Press Church. And as Rolf said, I'm filling in for Jenny, who is taking a very much-needed month-long Sabbath after our challenging pandemic period. I'm excited to be here, and I'm grateful that somebody is here. I'm grateful that you are here. Would you please pray with me? You call us from our settled ways, O oh God, out of old habits and rutted traditions. You call us into the land of promise, to new life and new possibilities. We are committed to finding the strength to travel the road ahead, to shun false security and comfort, to look instead for the invitations you extend for service, expanded community and connection, to discover that we are enough just as we are, that we do indeed have all we need. Amen. As I was saying, the 23rd Psalm is rich and resonant, and what most for me, resonates most for me is the phrase, I have all I need. In Lectio Divina, we would invite uh, us, ourselves, to pick out a phrase that is most meaningful or a word, and to meditate on it. So, I have all I need, or in the original version of this psalm, I shall not want, uh, is, is where I focus. Mostly because it's really, really challenging to focus on that, to focus on sufficiency in this culture, a culture that I'm going to say focuses on insufficiency. This psalm also resonates as a powerful declaration, a vision of a relationship with the divine. It's a statement of commitment to the nature of that relationship, a relationship where I am loved deeply whether beside still waters or dark and dreary lands, where nothing can shake me, where I trust and am held by God. That's the invitation. We are called to that. I also hear a chant in this sung version. When I was young, I sang in several choirs in the area, and I was taught how to chant by Father Javor over at the Priory. Uh, a lot of Gregorian chants, so this is reminiscent of that, really... Um, just an, an even melody that, that just allows the words to sort of sink in to us. Um, 
And Richard Rohr recently wrote about this in one of his daily meditations. He said, uh, the, uh, the power of chanting using breath, intentionality, tone of vibration, he, he calls these uh, the three core elements out of which the earth was fashioned and through which all spiritual transformation happens, as in God breathed man into being. And chanting is a contemplative practice in many spiritual faiths. Do you hear all of this in McFerrin's music? A contemplative chant that might lead to spiritual transformation for you? Can you hear that possibility? The 23rd Psalm also points to pilgrimage, to life as pilgrimage through green meadows, beside still waters, and the inevitable dark and dreary lands, or the valley of shadow of death. Can you also hear it as a prayer, a prayer of gratitude for a guide, for a shepherd, for a cup that runneth over, for sufficiency, for goodness and mercy? The 23rd Psalm is all of that. I think that's why I love it so much. Um, it is a vision, it is a commitment, is it, a, it, it is a chant, it is an invitation to pilgrimage, it is a prayer, and so very much more. And I think, it's my experience, that when it's prayed, when it's chanted, when it's used um, as a focus for contemplation, that it is access to a very deep relationship with the divine. My question, as a spiritual director, is this. Is this a vision of God, of the divine? Is this one you can hold? Because like many Bible verses, it's countercultural. Particularly today. It's countercultural to say, I have all I need. I don't hear many people saying that. I don't hear many people saying, I have faith in a trusted relationship with what Brian Swim calls, I love this, the great loving mystery at the heart of the cosmos. That's his definition or his, his uh, characterization of God. The, I have faith in a trusted relationship with the great loving mystery at the heart of the cosmos. So it's challenging to hold that in a Western culture that's full of messages that we do not have all we need. We are not enough, therefore. Until we have more, then maybe we'll be enough, but probably not. Well, then we'll just need more. We are constantly encouraged to want and need what we don't have. Marketers are intent on making us want. I had a friend who was a serial entrepreneur, very, very successful, millions of dollars, and died in a massive stroke, I think, as a result of his philosophy that more, faster, better was the way forward. That was the way to live your life. Marketeers have a job, and that's to convince us that we need stuff we didn't know we needed. It's no longer find a need and fill it, which is what it was in the 40s and the 50s. Now it's create as many needs as possible. Many, 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 many needs. More, faster, better. So it's really challenging to hold the context of sufficiency, to look at our lives, I think, through the context of, I have all I need. I think it's a supreme challenge to come to this place that the 23rd Psalm invites us. 
I have all I need. I am all I need. I am loved and I am held. Even in the face of evidence to the contrary. Faith is a place, is a path to this place of sufficiency and spiritual direction can be a powerful resource to get there. In spiritual direction, we are gently invited to a more meaningful vision, to God's loving vision of our lives. Direction invites us to be committed to it, committed enough to begin the required pilgrimage. Now, spiritual direction is not something we talk about a lot in this church. I can't remember it ever being talked about up here which is really odd because we have at least five, possibly more, spiritual directions in this church. And for a small church, that's a lot of directors. <laughs> it's a lot of directors. Um, so I'm guessing, since we have a lot of directors, that a lot of you have experienced spiritual direction. Or you know somebody who has, or you've talked about it, or you've talked with a director. And you might have a sense of how it might support you or how it does support you. For those who do not, I just want to say a little bit about it. Uh, Joan Chittister has described it as the art of holy friendship, the purpose, purpose of which is to become holy ourselves. To become holy ourselves. Far be it from me to contradict Joan Chittister, who is a well-known theologian, but I say it is a spiritual partnership to discover how we are already holy. We are already holy. It's not something we become. It's something that we already are. That's my assertion. That's my experience. In the partnership of spiritual direction, we can grow that muscle to see how we are already holy and then how everything is already holy. We are holy, everything is holy. It's also been characterized direction as a conversation that allows us to look deeply at the reality of our life, what Jesuit theologian Walter Burkhart calls a long loving look at the real. A long loving look at the real. Particularly a place to discover where God might be calling us, how God is actually working in our lives in the green meadows and in the dark and dreary lands, in our sadness and our joys, in our consolations and our desolations. I think it is a place, it's my experience as a director, as, having, as being a directee, that it is a place that we can truly cement in our being the notion that we are God's beloved. I, Richard Rohr, in a recent meditation, daily meditation, I love his blog. If you haven't read it or subscribed to it, it's easy to, to find online. But he describes a Jewish proverb that says, Before every person, an angel marches proclaiming, Behold, the image of God. Before every person, an angel marches proclaiming, Behold, the image of God. And the Bible, in many, many places, assures us that we are made in the image of God. But the world, the larger world of insufficiency, screams that we are not. Pastor Wesley Gramberg Michelson, I'm reading a book that he wrote 
recently called Without Oars. Um, I highly recommend it. Small book, easy to, to get to. Um, says of spiritual direction that it's an ex his book is about the walking the Camino and many people do that as a pilgrimage to deepen their faith but he says we don't have to walk away from our lives in order to pilgrimage go on a pilgrimage we can have a pilgrimage in spiritual direction where we can discover much but mostly that we already are all we need so if you haven't experienced spiritual direction, we navigate from loving curiosity and we ask a whole lot of questions. Um, we ask questions, we are called spiritual directors, but really the director is God. So in the partnership with the directee and the director, God is the director and the director is asking questions. Um, and so questions that I love are, um, and these are questions you can ask yourself maybe every morning or every evening before you go to sleep it's a way to reflect on your day um, how do i embrace god's love i love this one how do i act as if i'm loved i can say i'm loved but then what do i do in my life in every day to demonstrate that i am loved that i love myself that i am lovable who is god who is god for me how do i create god where am I suffering? It's a great place to look. What is my deepest longing? And I especially love Pastor Mickelson's favorite question, which is, whose life are you living? Is it your mother's, your father's? <laughs> Some marketeer's idea of whose life you are, should be living? Um, so I, I said that he wrote this wonderful book called uh, Without Oars, which is a reference to uh, something that happened a long time ago in Scotland, no, Ireland, where deeply, deeply spiritual men would jump in a rowboat and row out to sea and then throw the oars overboard to demonstrate deep, deep trust in God and the relationship that they had with God. And they would just wait to see where they showed up. Many of them, fortunately for them, landed on the mainland, on the European continent, and began uh, ministries there. And that's how we know that that happened. Um, so to me, that's the deepest, deepest sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, demonstration of trust and faith that I can think of doing. I don't know that I can do that. But I have walked the Camino. And I know several folks here have done that once, twice, or maybe even three times, Ginger Holt? <laughs> three times? Right. Um, and if you've done that, you've, I, any number of times, came upon people as I was walking that were walking ahead of me on the path and they had backpacks that were just huge. I mean, they had everything but the kitchen sink in their backpack, and they were walking like this. It was really painful to watch because the purpose of the Camino, any Camino, any pilgrimage, whether it's spiritual direction, is to unload stuff and to do without and to get rid of the things that don't serve us. 
Um, I came to see life as a pilgrimage in spiritual direction because I got to explore my backpack and I got to let go of a lot of crap, a ton of it. And so we can ask, do the contents of our metaphorical backpack serve us? How can we let them go? In the Camino, on the Camino, um, pilgrims can see that the journey is less effortful, less painful, uh, the lighter their load, the lighter they are, and that's true in direction. That's, I think, the result of spiritual direction, is a lightness, a lightness of being that we don't necessarily have an opportunity to create in our lives uh, unless we are engaged in an intimate conversation. In spiritual direction, we can then arrive at a place of deep compassion for every part of us. Last Sunday, Jenny talked about that, when she talked about everything belongs, that it's, it's all graced, excuse me. It's all graced. It's all graced. In spiritual direction, we can see that. Our weak muscles, our strong muscles, all of them are welcome and, and matter. I originally had about 40 pages when I did this, and my husband edited it, and he said, oh, God. <laughs> and I can't see you because my glasses and my glasses, I can't tell whether you're all asleep or not, but I hope you're still awake. <laughs> I'm just sort of cutting out pages. Oh, I'm almost done. Um, <laughs> yay. Um, so I'm up here, an advocate for spiritual direction, <laughs> however you choose to do it. Um, I'm going to proclaim the benefits of it. Um, in spiritual direction, I was able to come m closer to a much more powerful experience of God and to see how wonderfully I am loved and uh, warts and all. Um, when I first began this work, I was told that I would fall in love with my directees and I just couldn't see that. <laughs> I couldn't imagine falling in love with strangers or people that I was used to keeping at a distance. Um, but after a while, after sitting with people and hearing their pain and hearing them tell me um, the deepest pain in their life and their deepest joys, their greatest joys, um, seeing their vulnerability, something in me just melted. Spiritual, as a director, I benefited from being in direction because my heart broke, and we often say broke open, so there was more room in it for other people. I could see the divine at work in each person, and I could invite them to see it also. And so I fell in love with each and every one of them, and I will continue to do so. And now I can see an angel walking before everyone, people I don't know, people I might not even want to like, but I can see that angel 
walking in front of them saying, behold, the image of God. I really encourage and invite each of you to begin that kind of pilgrimage one of your own fashioning or one with a trained director so that you too can arrive at this beautiful place a place where you too can see that you are enough that you are loved that you have all you need and that you can see the angel walking in front of you saying shouting behold the image of God. Amen.